This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 110, Getting Clear on Your Role as a Parent. everybody. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. Hey, guys. And we're happy. And we're, 2020. We're, and what? <laughs> I don't want to keep, like, you know, beating a dead horse. We all know 2020 is just a... Yeah, don't beat it. It's not the year of a million dreams, that's for sure. Mm. But is anyone else feeling a little bit like I am with, like, the start of school kind of happening? Everyone's in different situations. Oh, yeah. I feel like all the parameters and, like quantifiable data has been completely erased from our lives well right? the, it's like completely irrelevant anymore it is everyone's in survival mode of just figuring out how to take the next step within Absolutely. their families within their businesses within their personal lives it's tricky I think the the need for self-sufficiency has never been higher mm. obviously with us as adults physically with gyms being closed spiritually with churches being closed in all the ways but one way that we're seeing this really play out in our home is um, self-sufficiency with our children Mm -hmm. which has been the cause of stress and joy and sleepless nights (laughs) and all the things sounds like parenting all the things so if you are feeling a little bit of a tailspin in this teaching your children to be self-sufficient area you just buckle up because we're going to talk all about it today. I love it because parenting is an ongoing thing for a lot of people, but in light of 2020 and all things that are chaotic and upside down and bananas for so many people, I like the increased sense of relevance with what we're about to talk about. And, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, (gasps) well, you should be so good. All right. Let me just share a little review from, we have had so many beautiful reviews recently and we want you guys to know how much we appreciate it. So, um, this one comes from I see A-Y-E, Caesar. And she says, I truly believe that I was led to discover this podcast. I love being able to listen and truly feel the contagious positive energy and joy of the wonderful hosts. I feel like I have known these two amazing women for years and I've only been listening for a few days. I am so grateful that podcasts like this exist because they help me to remember that it's okay to choose to be happy in a world full of chaos and commotion. Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit, thank you for sharing your beautiful, kind, and loving spirits with the world. You two are doing amazing work. And not only is that incredibly touching, like so, so touching, but it reminds me of something that I forget sometimes, which is that we have new listeners all the time. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of you who are loyally listening, tuning in every week, which means so much to us. We know how much it means to you because we communicate with a lot of you on Instagram through DMs. And it's just really cool to keep that ongoing conversation um, up. But sometimes that reminder that new people are coming in on a regular basis, it's just that's so moving. And I know it's happening because you guys are sharing with your friends Mm -hmm. and friends are sharing with their friends and it continues to grow that way. So welcome to our community. Yes. Welcome (laughs) Welcome to this, this podcast world and this, um, and this community of people who are really interested in cultivating their best life. And thanks for the reviews, you guys. I know. So awesome. Again, I'm just going to say it. I just love them. Like I love to read them. I love to hear your thoughts just warms my heart. And yes. we read, truly, we every read every single, single review. single review. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it helps the podcast to reach more people as well. So thank you for that. All right. Let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. 2020 is bananas. And you might feel like you need some mental and emotional health self-care. 
but therapy is expensive. Just remember that taking therapeutic steps is not expensive. Did you know that something as simple as taking the internal chaos that's in your mind and writing things down is proven to increase peace and clarity? It's totally true. Articulating your thoughts into actual words and putting pen to paper is actually one of the most clarifying experiences you can have. And it doesn't have to be fancy or elaborate, guys. Might I add, you don't even have to be a good writer. Just pick up a pen and start writing. Let the words come out and you'll see how this can totally help you process everything that's going on. All you need is a notebook and a pen. That's it. It's also worth noting that your treasured words don't belong in crappy notebooks. We make the best notebooks with inspired designs and awesome stories behind each one. And those can be found at beckyhiggins.com. You'll see the notebooks right there on the homepage. Definitely pick up a few extras to share as gifts because you always get free shipping in the continental U.S. after $35 in our shop. All right, you guys, are you ready? Mm -hmm. If you need help, if you need a little bit more peace with your parenting, or if you're not sure if what you're doing is working, look no further. Nice. We're going to have this discussion. That's a lot. Why of... are we having this discussion? Oh, I don't know why. Because I need it. Yeah. Because you need, yep, like, yep, this yep, is yep, not yep. like I have this all figured out and now I'm going to tell you the secret formula. It's, this is the thick of what we're in, in parenting our kids mm-hmm. and what most people are in parenting their kids. Um, when you think about kids, Beck, I have a question to ask you. Okay. I think about my kids. Yes, I do. Do you think about your children? <laughs> I, I sure do. I okay, really like good. them a lot too. That was step one. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so what do you think is the biggest plague on this generation of kids? Like oh. what are we seeing? Okay. I mean, my hand's up. Yes, you in the front. I, I Okay, so plague, that word's strong. It is strong. Okay, so this will not be the answer you're looking for. Oh, great. Okay. I just, no, I just didn't All know. Right. I didn't know. I don't know. You guys, Becky I know. is leading this content. She has prepared this episode with love in her heart, and I have no idea where she's going to go with it. So as per usual, I had no idea what she was going to ask me. So I'm just telling you. Yeah, what you, do you think? I think it's identity crisis. Ooh, I don't think our yes. kids... Actually, that's a better answer. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. That was good. That was really well (laughs) thought out. Good. Just in case you don't know what I'm talking about, because that can mean a lot of different things. And what I mean by it Mm -hmm. is kids who struggle with truly knowing how genuinely, divinely awesome they are, period, without any quantifiable Mm -hmm. support or evidence. They just are. And I... I feel like that that's a plague. It's not the only one, but it's a great one. No, but I feel like what you're talking about is the root of all unhappiness in the human experience for children, for adults. Yep. And this is what I'm talking about when I say like, we're have we're in a weird space right now as humanity mm-hmm. because of 20 like the events of 2020 mm-hmm. simply because it has stripped away a lot of that like structure and quantifiable data that probably we over rely on. Probably. So interesting fact, you know, it totally happens, but there's two ways to look at it, right? Like you can look at it and you're like, this sucks. And what else is going to happen? And how much farther are we going to fall? Which a, you have no control over and B, we just don't know the answer to, or we can look at, okay, what can I learn from this? And for, for us, hence the creation of this episode is we have realized and seen cracks with and seen our successes and failures with how self-reliant our children actually are. And this is kind of the heart of this episode. So interesting statistic, 
anxiety and depression, which we know are massive, like massive, massive problems, um, are five to eight times higher and more widespread amongst youth today than the youth who lived through the Great Depression, the Cold War, and World War I and II. Hmm. So we have almost, le- I mean, you think about the Great Depression, like how could our youth be Worse. more depressed and more right. anxious than Worse people who literally had no food right. or had no jobs or had no security whatsoever? Like, does that even make sense? It does not make sense. It doesn't at all make sense. And yet it's data. And let, and yet right? this is like, this is truly mm-hmm. what is happening. Okay. So there, um, you may have listened. Hank Smith did an episode with us about the characteristics of happy people. Obviously so I love good. Hank. Yes. There's a few episodes I'm going to be referencing in this because there's a lot of good information from people. And, and I can, I can uh, pull yes. up our mm-hmm. list just so you guys know that one is called how to be happy and it's episode 105. And he goes over the characteristics of happy people. Um, in another similar talk that Hank gave, he talks about um, prescription glasses and he talks about sometimes as parents, we might think we know the equation or the formula that's going to help our kids be resilient and successful. So for us, it was, you know, lots of hard work and, and the things that we were raised with that we feel like gave us that sense of resiliency. And he straight up said those things, like we think that we know because of what brought us that, that we will then know what's going to bring our kids to that. And he said, and he's a doctor, there's the PhD behind his name. That's just not true. Hmm. He said it's like handing your child your prescription glasses and expecting it to correct their vision. Hmm. So I think the first step really, this isn't an official step, this is a sub-step, but or a pre-step, I guess, is understanding that we do not have the answer. We, we cannot look at our past experience and expect that to work in the same way with our youth today. Which makes sense, mm-hmm. and I totally agree with you. I'm going to throw an and in there. Go for it. And remember to pull from your experience to help in a situation. So I totally agree. I Mm -hmm. actually really appreciate Hank's um, analogy because it helps us to go, oh yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Why would I put my prescription glasses on my child and think that that that's going to help their vision? Mm -hmm. It won't. But the fact that I need a prescription and I've been through experiences that lead to me needing the glasses that makes me a human who can be helpful from my own experience, pulling that into helping someone else, specifically my child. So it's not like everything you've been through doesn't matter. Right. It's irrelevant. Correct. It just, it's not the fix. Like your experience with it can't be what you think is the solution that will work for someone else. Okay. And this is the part where I need, I'm going to say this right out front because immediately you're going to think I'm wrong. Will I? You probably will. Or at the very least, you're going to be uncomfortable with this statement. Okay. You don't have the formula for them to be successful in life. Yeah. Yeah, We don't have anyone else's formula. Mm -hmm. Although it's so awesome to think that we do. And we probably know a lot of good things Mm -hmm. that will lead you in a good direction. But at the end of the day, the whole sum of of all of this is that they have to know their formula and you don't. Hmm. I know. See, like automatically want to discredit that statement. No, not even discredit. I really, really like where you're going with that. Cause I, I can be, I can be, um, humble enough. Any parent can be humble enough to recognize the truth in that Mm -hmm. we do. You're right. We do have a lot of good ideas 
we certainly have an insight and inspiration yes. and past experiences and clarity on what works for us. But what does it help a child if you know the formula and they don't? Right. Mm. And how did we come to know our formula? Through experience. Through experience. So I don't think it's about discounting your experience, but it's in how you present it to your kids when these things come up. So for instance, if, okay, so say I have a child who's dealing with, I don't know, a bullying situation or whatever. And I tell them, I remember I was bullied and this is what worked for me. That might not be the best way. Like what if the best way is to say, this is what happened to me. Recount the facts of what happened and say, I remember that being so hard. And I felt really like discouraged. I was questioning my worth. Do you feel that way? Like, is that something you're feeling? And, and go with it from there. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Mm. But really, we just need to let go of the notion that like... Are you saying that maybe that approach could be more helpful than, oh, that happened to you. Okay, this is what you got to do next. And then totally. you're going to do this. And totally. this is going to happen. And this is how it's going to work out. Like who likes being told what to do? Even as an adult, like... That's not, it's not something that works. And there's so many studies to support this. Okay. One of the studies, there's a study done in the 1970s and it was done in a, in, in a group nursing home. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they isolated a group of patients and that group of patients, they gave like jobs to do, like you're in charge of washing the tables and you're in charge of this. They gave them jobs to do. So it felt like a community. And, um, and then they took a separate group of people, group of patients and, basically kept reiterating the message like the nurses have it under control. The nurses are in charge. They'll let you know what you need to do. And guess which group lived longer? Yeah. The group that was involved, yeah. right? Yeah. The group that felt like they had some ounce of control, right? And some um, contribution to give to the greater whole. And it's a sense of self-reliance. Yes. I mean. A hundred percent. That's totally what it comes back so to. So if you look at that study, Literally, the only indicator is that control, self-reliance. Mm. So how do we apply that to our kids, okay? Um, some of you might be thinking and feeling, which is a thought I have to talk myself out of all the time, is the stakes are too high. Like, I wrote an Instagram post where sometimes I, I would lay in bed at night and be like, they don't even care that they failed that test, which means they're going to end up in jail. Like, I'd go from <laughs> A to B. Do you know what I mean? And you start to spiral. You go from A to Z, sister. Right? That's what's happening in your brain. Like, you go so far. Yeah. And, and we forget. We forget that, like, none of those things are true, right? Yeah. The stakes are not too high to let them learn. And at the end of the day, um, our job as parents is to let them fail safely. Mm -hmm. Because we understand that failure consequences are the most effective teaching tools. Sure. Yep. Okay, so guys, I think we might have a control problem as a society, as parents. And I think this control problem is likely one of the contributing factors of these stats we see where our children are five, you know, five to eight times more likely to be depressed and like clinically depressed and anxious. I think as parents, we need to give ourselves and instill in ourselves a higher capacity for discomfort when it comes to parenting. So essentially we need to become comfortable with less control. A higher capacity for discomfort. A higher di I'm because thinking when about we're like when we're in my head. so for instance, let me just let me tell you what what happens to my body. Okay. okay. We're taking a test this morning. Yep. Um cuz we're still in distance learning, right? So we my son's taking a test and I am 
um, because of his accommodations at school, I'm able to be there next to him, helping him. And always is that line of like, how much do I help him? Because no matter how much work I do, and I'm immersed in this work, there still is a thought that comes in like, I just don't want him to fail. I just don't want him to fail. Okay, so let's take that thought. Because the first thing I want you to think about, and this is your official number one, is check yourself and see why we might be pushing our kids towards this chronic exceptionalism all the time. Mm -hmm. So essentially, why is it that we don't want him to fail? Yeah. You know, take it down that road. And if I'm being honest with myself, part of the reason why I don't want him to fail or I don't want my kids to do bad in school, there's a hundred reasons, but a large part of that, or at least a significant part of that, that I need to address is that I'm afraid of what that means about me as a mother Mm. if my children fail. Mm -hmm. And so we have to really check ourselves to understand if we are pushing our kids towards this like chronic exceptionalism. I think anyone can relate to that feeling of wanting, not only wanting the best for your child, but knowing their potential and what they're capable of. And so of course you're wanting them to be exceptional all the time. Well, yeah. Like who doesn't relate to that, right? I think that's one of my deeper fears that I have to really address all the time is I'm afraid that they're not going to live up to their full potential. Mm -hmm. But you have to look at the flip side of that is I'm afraid they're not going to live up to their full potential because... Why? Like, why is that a fear for me? Right, you know what I mean? Right. And it ha- for me, it has to do with their happiness in life and how I relate in my life. Mm. Because I find my highest degree of happiness when I am doing the things I feel called or driven to do. But that's me. Totally. Like, that's very specific to me. And I don't think, like, being exceptional is a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a wonderful thing. But I think your reasoning behind wanting it can sometimes get a little muddy And here's the thing. So I have a daughter who plays soccer. Okay. So she loves soccer. Um, She played and then moved up to like a more competitive team and kind of has moved up. And this year she came to us and it was just a weird year. And she was like a little bit, um, not stressed out, but just a little bit like wanted to take a little bit of a break from the hyper, hyper, hyper competitive and just have a little bit more fun. And initially my response was like, but if you do that, like you might get left behind. Like if you're missing a year of training, like that could be it for you. Especially with the track she's been on. With the track she's been on and with the people she played with. But then Mm -hmm. I have to take a step back and be like, but my child's telling me they want to enjoy it again. So if Mm. the point is not for her to enjoy it, why do it? Mm. Like why, what is this actually bringing to her? Um, okay. This can, I I, add, can I add something to I'd that? I'd love you to. Okay. So just a similar experience recently with Porter, who's 17. He's in his last year of high school right now. And I was notified about something, um, that was an, basically we'll just say it was like an online course that's mm-hmm. totally applicable to his stage of life and what's coming up with coming, you know, going into the world and college and everything. And I thought, this is interesting. I wonder if he would, he would like this. I didn't have the thought he should do this. I just thought, I mm-hmm. wonder if. So I asked him just like that. Hey, would you be interested in this? And he was so blunt and so simple with me. I loved it. I had such a huge appreciation because he's like, if it's going to be something that just makes me busier, I'm not interested. And I was like, way to just say it straight. Because what he was really saying is right now I'm at my max capacity. Mm-hmm. My schedule's so full, work and school and everything, right? Because he fits in basketball with buddies and he has a social life. It's great. So he's balanced pretty well right now. And he knows himself well enough to know that if he were to add one more thing, that's what would tip him over the edge. 
And I wish that we were all a little bit better about saying no to things so quickly and realizing that we do have limits. And when we cross those lines, it can make us spiral. Not that it you or I you, have ever experienced right? anything spiral. like that. Yeah. I don't spiral. No, I'm, I spiral. But, but good for our kids, good for Lucy with soccer and mm-hmm. Porter with this online course opportunity to recognize there's a time and a season for these things, but... Are we, are we enjoying life? Are we balanced? Or are we just going to stress ourselves out because we want to keep up with the team and the progress in that sport Correct. or because we want to learn one more thing that could maybe help us or not, you mm-hmm. know? Well, yeah. and I think the key is, is to take your kids lead. Now, it, you know, kids oftentimes don't want to do things and you can push them to try something. But like, honestly, when it becomes this control situation, when it becomes like, I know what's best and do this, this, and this. You have to ask yourself like, A, what am I, what of myself am I tying to this? Why is this so important to me? And B, what is going to be the result? Like Mm -hmm. what is going to be the long-term result? Because I think sometimes what happens is our kids, if, if we're very structured, which again, none of these things are bad or good. It's just different ways of thinking about it. If you create a situation in your home where your kids are very obedient and have very little chance to like think and discover for themselves, um, they haven't actually learned anything but how to adhere to your rules, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that critical thinking piece might be lacking as they go out into the world. Because if you come from a place that's so structured and so obedient and so like, this is what you need to do for success, and then you go to college or you go wherever and you're totally left your own devices... I feel like the kids miss a piece of like trusting themselves. I totally agree. And they have to learn how to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. So reviewing Mm -hmm. the first one is check yourself and see what this like fear of failure or, or these external things for you. Like, what does it mean about you and not about the child before you're giving them any direction with this? And if you need to pause and think on this guys. Oh, totally. Pause, ponder. Really, this and is when some, really good stuff to think about. When something comes up, like a kid failing a test, just check yourself. Am I somehow tying me as a mom to this or me as a parent? Or like what 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 meaning am I attaching to this that is muddying up maybe my relationship? Okay, so two, before you dive into any of this, number one, do that work with yourself. Number two, you have to create a situation where your kids feel totally safe. And like you were saying, that they know that their worth is inherent and is n- their worth is not reinforced or proven or gained through achievement, that it really is just the state of their being. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I'll add on to the end of this, like while you're at it and in finding the words to express that to your kids, like internalize it a little bit, give yourself a pep talk and be like, no matter what happens with this child, my worth is unchanged. And that's kind of the beauty of articulation is when, as you are trying to find the words to, to express this to your children, you're going to have words to express it to yourself too. Mm, so be really very careful with that. Yeah. Okay. Number three, before you dive into this, you want to define for yourself what a healthy definition of success is. The reason I bring this up is let's just take that soccer example. So my daughter playing soccer, when I have discomfort because she wants to take a break, like what am I thinking the end game of success for soccer for her will be? Hmm. Am I thinking I really want her to play in college or I want her to go on to play professionally or whatever it is when really, if I would check myself and be like, well, what is my goal of success for soccer with her is to have an enjoyable way for her to be with her peers, move her body, engage in competition and enjoy herself. And that's it. 
That's it. That's it. So yeah. if I take that definition of success and apply it to the, to the situation at hand, the answer becomes very clear. And I can let go of all that other stuff of mm-hmm. like pushing them towards like, we're the best, we're the best, mm-hmm. which is sad, I, particularly with sports in America. But we see this a lot with academics, with a lot of things, which is another contributing factor to the rise of, of anxiousness is we are pushing these kids to like be so exceptional and be the best and be the like these fast tracks. When if you look at the statistics of like how many child athletes go on to play professionally, like hardly any. Do you know what I'm saying? Or how many of these kids end up like winning, winning like the Nobel Peace Prize or like any of these like crazy accolades? It's so small. So like take that step back and look at what you're defining as success. But also there are people who are going to say, well, what if the goal is that I do want to support my child and their goal to play at a college or professional level. Mm-hmm. And I think the principle still applies because that can still be the goal. It's not like everything is just, quote, but that's for fun. their goal. That's, you no, know but what I'm saying? saying? Like, let's say it's the child's goal. Right. right. Yeah. So if it's their goal, then that's great because but, it's their goal. Right. Right. But, but as a parent, then your goal and your intention becomes supporting their goal. Totally. And so it's just different. So, it's totally different. Yeah. But when my daughter came to me and said, essentially my goal is to enjoy soccer I have to, I have to help facilitate that and not even like show her what to do, but allow her to figure it out and support her in that. I love it. So if your child and we'll, we get to goal setting in the end, but if your child has a goal of, of playing collegiate soccer, great. And I'm going to give you tools of how to help them accomplish that goal. But again, it's about the child led goal. And they have to articulate if that is super important to them. I love this so much. Okay, so yeah. on the end section of this defining the healthy definition of success. So um, we have an episode. It was episode 66, and it was about autonomy. Mm-hmm. Okay, the heart of all of this is autonomy. So yeah. for me, my very highest definition of success is creating children who are completely autonomous, which means for me that they are standing firmly in the places they choose to stand, right? I want to create adults that are able to stand on their own two feet and know themselves, know their worth and be able to receive inspiration about the purpose of their life and be able to fearlessly move towards that in a way that is meaningful and creates happiness for them. That is my goal. Autonomy. Okay. Um, so I have this friend and we were talking about this autonomy with children. And I think when we, when we bring this up of like, no, let go a little bit, parents are automatically like, well, it's my job. Like it's my job to, to raise them and to teach them and to help them to do the right things. And yes, that is true. That is totally true. But we have to be keeping it within these bounds. And she was saying, um, we were talking about our kids and, and I was like, well, what if, what if my kids fail? What if they, what if college is no longer an option because they have like slacked so bad in homeschool? And I'm not saying my kids are slacking bad in homeschool. It's just that friend that I can like let it let it run wild. Right. Mm -hmm. And we were laughing about it. We were laughing about how silly we were being, being, and, and she brought up, um, her brother and her brother is super successful, well-adjusted, has a great family, amazing human being. One of the most brilliant people I've ever met does very well at his job, loves his job. Okay. This same person in high school, decided high school wasn't important, got crazy grades and had to go to like a community college and then transfer over. And so we played the what if game. My friend My was favorite. like, right? <laughs> okay, so, so what if, what if your kid does completely fail? What if it becomes this power struggle and they completely decide to stop trying at school or stop trying in high school and have 
you know, horrible grades that yeah. prevent them from getting into a university they want to get into. Mm-hmm. What, what if? if your kid goes to community college, learns the skills they failed to learn in high school because possibly you were over controlling the situation and then they get to go to whatever university their effort dictates. That's that do- what happens. That doesn't <laughs> sound so bad, right? Like it really doesn't sound so bad. What's so bad is what we're attaching to it of what it means about us. Yeah. Because we, we all want to have that, like, my children went to Harvard and they're doctors and they're running the world, right? We have to stop. It doesn't work. So define for yourself what the healthy definition of success is. Love it. Okay. Um, number four, and this is where we can start getting into conversations with our kids. Isn't it interesting that the first three steps all have to do with like us wrapping our heads around all of this. So the fourth step is talking to your kids about what they want for their life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking like sit down with your kid and be like, tell me what you want for your life and let me help you facilitate all of it. I'm saying a series of conversations, a tone of your conversation over a long period Mm -hmm. of time. Okay. Start young. Like when they're in kindergarten you're like, what do you think? Like, what do you think about what you would want to be? And they say they want to be like, an aardvark farmer, then you say, wow, that sounds interesting. What would it be about that that you would love? Or tell me about aardvarks. Like you have to follow them down those paths as where like the frightened parent might feel like, well, honey, does that sound plausible? Like there's some other things you can do in farming that would probably be a better lifestyle fit. Like, no, no, you can't do that. Okay. If another thing too, is if you have not had these conversations, um, or you're, you have teenagers, let's just call a spade a spade. When you have these conversations, they might be like on to what you're doing. And they may say things like, well, I just want to live in a van down by the river, mom. <laughs> and then at that point you want to be like, well, that's not happening. You guys, my actual child said those actual words and was actually serious. It's fine. I didn't even know that. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, I thought you brought that up. No, oh. I literally did oh, not know that. I absolutely, absolutely. This is a running joke now in our family and not haha, like you're funny, but like, because that has been brought up mm-hmm. and that literally is like a dream, <laughs> then what can you do but go, oh, uh, Okay. Right? Like you want to, well, I know that the like mama bear inside me would want to tell them all the reasons that would make them unhappy. But if I look back to what my definition of success is, which is autonomy and their ability to create their own happiness. Exactly. At that point, like, wow, that sounds interesting. What kind of van do you think you would have? Okay. So we did ask that question. Right? Wow. That sounds interesting. We didn't ask what kind of van they would want, but we did say, and as you're thinking about that future plan, also remember... Um, said family member and the extended family who did that (laughs) and how they're doing right now, like mentally, emotionally, financially, all the things like just kind of keep that perspective in mind. And if you want to try that for a season and see how it goes, we'll visit. Mm -hmm. We'll totally hang out with you on the beach or the river in the parking lot it's gonna be great (laughs) the point is and we talk about this a lot in the autonomy episode is sometimes our kids push us or act out or fail tests or quit the thing and it is 100% about control and autonomy and has nothing to do with a van or a river or the sport or whatever else totally like it totally is just 
like a cry for help of like, see me as my own individual yeah, person. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and sometimes when you think your kids are onto you, give yourself credit when you are onto them. And I yeah. know like because of yeah. the work you and I do and I understand autonomy and I'm a big fan of it and want it for myself, I know that that is an expression of being autonomous mm-hmm. from when my child expresses wanting to live in a van down by the river. So you it, know what? I'm onto it. And so I'm like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You have to let them know. And this goes back to, to number two is you have to let them know when they say things like that, what they're doing is pushing you to see like, yeah, essentially if you break it down, am I, would you still love me? Am I worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Could I do this? And that would be okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they're just trying to, to establish themselves. Okay. Yeah, it's true. So there's this movie that I love a lot. And in it, there's a girl who's saying, like, it's this granddaughter. And she's like, I want to join the circus. I want to join the circus. And she becomes obsessed with the circus. And her parents are, like, super high-functioning. And, of course, are like, well, honey, that wouldn't be a very good life. And you'd be on the road. And there's this. And, they're, you know, they're talking her out of all these reasons why it wouldn't work. Okay? And so she has this very wise grandmother. And the grandmother listens to the little girl tell about how much she loves the circus and how she wants to join the circus and that's her goal and she's going to take gymnastics to join the circus and so her grandma instead of fighting against her says that's cool why don't we go to the circus and you can show me what you mean and so the grandma and the granddaughter go to the circus and sit at the circus and like stay after and are really observing and by the end of that experience on their way out they're talking and the daughter realizes or the granddaughter rather realizes like okay, maybe I don't actually want to join the circus, hmm. right? But if you look at, that's, a, that's an exaggerated am, uh, example of two very different styles, right? Like one is saying, well, this is why you shouldn't, or this is why this would be hard, or this is what you need to do, which then makes granddaughter be like, well, because you're telling me I can't, now I'm going to double down, totally. right? Mm-hmm. And the grandma was like, maybe you should, let's go check it out. Let her experience it, and then the child is able to actually come to the realization on their own that might not be what they want for their Mm -hmm. life. Way more effective, by the way. And way less stressful Mm -hmm. also, by the way, parents. I mean, for heaven's sakes. So maybe what you need to do is rent a van and let the child stand it down by the river. I know. I've got some wheels spinning in my head right now. I was going to say, honestly, you could do like a weekend away. Be like, we're going to do an overnight in a van by the river. It's going to be great. You can show me what you love about this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And don't solve the problem for them. Um, I just think this is a really, really, really good example of allowing our kids to articulate. And that's kind of um, what we want in this talking section is when we talk about what they want for their life, your job as a parent is to ask questions, ask meaningful questions. What kind of van do you want? That seems crazy. What do you know? Ask questions to get them to articulate what they're feeling or what they mean or what they think, right? Because when they're able to articulate it, it's essentially taking them to the circus. It's allowing them to like really get serious about what they think and how to make or not make something happen. But if you, if you try, if you try to articulate it for them, they will never take ownership over it and they will end up in a van by the river. Well, it's also another cool part of, um, self-discovery, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, which is part of the human experience and, and particularly heightened in the teenage years, but self-discovery is not only important, but it's exciting. So helping, allowing them to articulate what it is that they're drawn to helps them to discover about themselves that it is less about the thing and more about what they feel when they're doing it or what they enjoy right. about it. Um, not necessarily 
the thing that they're actually doing or the career that they're actually pursuing. Yes. And I think that that self-discovery is, like I said, it's not just a thing and a part of the human experience, but it's really something to look forward to and be excited about. It is. And here's the thing is they don't know, like Mm -hmm. they don't know what they want to do. They know how they want to feel, but if we can get them to articulate how they want to feel, they can start to piece together for themselves the road to get there. I love it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. So number five is goal setting because always and forever goal setting. Um, it's very, very important. So I've come up with a few different areas and I've read a lot, listened to a lot, gone to a lot of classes. There's far more than this, but I'm just going to give you a few. Um, if you delineate your goal setting into like quadrants in your life, it can, it can help you kind of get started. So some of the goal setting categories would be social, emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, family life. Um, those are the ones I came up with. You can come up with a thousand more for whatever is going on in your life or the value system in your home. Here's what you don't want to do. So instead of making a goal about soccer, right? We'll take it back to soccer because that's easy. You'd put that in the physical quadrant. So it becomes about what they want and not about a specific activity. And then you're going to ask them, we're going to ask them what it is in their social life. Like, what do you want for your social life? Like, what does that, what does social life mean to you? Does it mean hanging out lot with lots of people all the time? Does it mean having one or two close people? Does it mean not hanging out with people at all? Like, what do you, when you think about like an ideal social life, like what do you feel like that looks like for you? Because I can tell you my ideal social life and some of my kids' ideal social lives are vastly different, totally different, right? And they already have these answers inside of them. You're just pulling it out. You're grabbing it and saying, let's articulate that so that they have a concrete thing to look at and say like, okay, what do I want to do to cultivate that? Same with physical. So okay, what do you envision? Like what is like your, your best version of your body in your physical existence? Well, if that means having, oh, I want to be strong. I don't want to feel sick. I want, you know, whatever that is, I want to get enough sleep. Okay, well, let's look at, then you can start to break it down and actually set goals specific for them. Financial, same thing. This plays into, you know, if your child has a job or not, like wh- what is their financial goal with the job, right? Because then it gives them, it gives them a line of, of what is like attributing to the success of their goals. So you could have a child who's really intense with like working and they might be missing out on some other things. So we want to give them like a goal so they understand how it's, how it falls into that financial sector. Um, same thing with spiritual in family. We have another episode about um, goal setting with kids. It's episode 28 and it's about helping kids to cultivate self-esteem. But in that we talk about small attainable goals. So after you get your child, which I'm going to tell you the best way to get someone to articulate, like this is the coaching work I do, is you get them talking. You ask questions and they respond. And it's question and answer. And it's probing questions. So get very good at the art of asking questions, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to go to those social, emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, family, whatever else is in your quadrants and get them to talk about it, right? Um, With the goal setting, it's very hard as a parent to not say like, well, okay, well, financial, okay, you want to have enough money for a car when you're 16. Well, let me help you break that down. Let me help you because it's, we have so much information that we just want to give them, but really 
our goal is to ask them the questions, well, how much money do you think you could earn a week? Or how long do you think it would take you to earn that money over time? Or what do you think, you know, asking those questions is going to help your kids gain the skills to actually come up with those sub goals underneath those categories themselves. So just be really, really super careful with that. We do with our kids, it's something that's been effective. We do like a goal check. So we have, and this is very conversation based. Um, we have kind of those different quadrants and they have things they're working towards or, or what they want their life to feel like or be like. And then each week, we do it week to week with the younger kids and with the older ones, it's more like once a month um, because they don't need us checking in. And these check-ins are not like, well, you didn't hit your goal, slap on the wrist, let's double down next week. It's just about, well, how are you feeling about that? Does Does that goal still fit, fit what you're wanting. Like, where are you at with that? It's not about checking in and keeping them accountable for success necessarily. And it's more about keeping that conversation going with them about how they're doing in that goal setting. Which is also Um, a reminder to the kids of how much you care about them and you're invested in their success and their happiness. And, and so I think that that regular reminder, whether it's consistent or not, but still remembering to check in and just supporting them, cheering them on, championing their goals that they have set for themselves is mm-hmm. it, it's just says a lot about you as a parent. And it's, it's less about the quantifiable data and know about, and more about knowing and understanding the human beings in your house. Mm-hmm. Because again, like, yes, we're their parents, but they are very individual human beings and came to this earth with personality and skills and traits and all these things that are completely separate from us. And our goal really is to like discover who they are and help them discover who they are. And that's kind of like these discovery conversations that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, with number five, I just want to summarize it into your job is not to goal set for them. It's to help them to organize their thoughts and their desires in an abstract perspective into into um, a tool system that will help them to establish their goals. We can't establish goals for our kids. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. Like, it just does not work. That is different from boundaries. Goals are totally different Mm -hmm. from boundaries in your home. But you setting goals for other people will never work. If you don't have buy-in, if the person doesn't have buy-in, it's never going to work. That is absolutely true. So the best way to do it is to get them to get buy-in. And you do this by helping them understand and articulate not helping them understand. You get them to articulate what it is they actually want. So there is um, there is a business phrase that Becky and I love called reverse engineering. Do you want to explain what reverse engineering is? Yeah, um, I love this. So reverse engineering to me and the way I would articulate it is that if I were to envision who I am as a person or in work or as a wife or as a mother or in any role in my life, if I were to envision that Becky, um, and what is ideal to me, then once I determine what that is, I am able to reverse engineer, work backwards and go, okay, so if I, if I act like that, treat other people like that, think like that, dress like that, look like that, whatever those things are, um, well then reverse engineering or, uh, and put another way, begin with the end in mind means, Mm -hmm. well, if that's the goal and that's the result I'm wanting for in my life, 
well, then I can back it up and then take some steps that lead in that direction. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's how you no, that's articulate perfect. it, but that's It helps I you to break down a larger goal into small things you can do today. So let's just, let's break this down. So say you're setting a goal, a financial goal, right? And kids, if they're not, if they're not used to this kind of thought work, are probably going to go to like far in the future. Like I want to be a doctor. Mm. Like I want to be a doctor. And so as a parent, trying to help them to like really engage with that, you'd say, okay, well, what is it about a doc? Like, what is it about being a doctor that's so appealing to you? And let's just say they, they say, well, they make really good money and I want to be able to take care of my family. That's amazing, right? Oh, that's interesting. So you equate making lots of money with being able to take care of your family really well. Tell me about that, right? What do you want your life to feel like? Do you get what I'm saying? So you start to go down this pattern because if their goal they're voicing it as I want to be a doctor, but really their goal is I want to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. Those are two very different things. Very much. And so help them dig to that deeper level of what that goal is. Well, I want to feel, I want to be able to spend time with my kids and make enough money so that I'm able to have freedom. Oh, okay. So you equate making enough money to having freedom. I know as adults, I can relate and tell you a hundred people that have lots of money and very little freedom, right? Yeah, no kidding. So what is their bigger goal inside of that? And help them to articulate what that next level goal is. Your kids, especially that are preteen and teenagers who have conversations like this with you as parents are going to be 10 steps ahead of most of their peers. And this Mm -hmm. isn't about who's better or I'm just saying like you guys are equipping your children Mm-hmm. with incredible capacity, increased capacity by having these kinds of conversations because they don't dig under those types of layers in most institutions, schools. Yeah. And, you know, like this is your opportunity to have these kinds of discussions. It's really cool. It is. And they'll feel more empowered, right? And if they, do, this is the point. If they don't feel empowered, I know exactly, I can make a, a roadmap for my child's life that will probably lead them to the goals that I'm thinking will bring them happiness. Mm -hmm. But much like when they're saying they want to be a doctor and what they really mean is like, I want to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. I might not be leading them to the goals that they want. And it will become about, I only get good grades because my parents require it, which is a completely different conversation. So what might happen to that child who's forced into like super academia and super good grades because it, it becomes this power struggle, which probably means your relationship to get the good grades is not going to be awesome. And then they go to college and they're like, oh, finally. Totally. I don't have to anymore. Or some parents even continue it to college. And, well, if you want your car, you're going you're gonna to maintain good grades, right? Oh, dude, I've seen this with food in people's homes where they're so strict with zero sugar or zero this or zero that. And then the kid leaves school and they put on 40 pounds because they're like, freedom. Right. You know, it's the same This is a Cheeto and it's delicious. (laughs) I think the concept is very applicable across so many different spheres of your life because when you just buckle down and you make these decisions for your kids all the time and enforce them with such rigidity, then where is the learning in that? Where's the self-reliance in that? There isn't. And this is a, there are so many studies about this, you guys, that that kind of parenting, that kind of very rigid obedience-based parenting literally breeds anxiety. Like it literally creates tons of anxiety and depression. And it, and it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the episode, it's about identity. So if their identity, if they understand that who they are is someone who values, will go to the physical column, like wants to feel good 
if they have that articulated it and have bought into it, they're not going to eat so much sugar that they end up going crazy or gaining 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. So we have to get them to that point. I wanted to just quickly note too, this, this does not negate boundaries. I'm not saying like remove all the structure and just say, best of luck to you, whatever, I'll love you no matter what. That's not what I'm saying. As a parent, you have to set boundaries for your kids. All I'm saying is what is the thought behind the boundary? So I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but one of the most painful things I think I've ever had to do was set, we were setting academic boundaries for the beginning of the school year because for us in our home, we're like, this is acceptable, this isn't. I don't want to have the conversation again. You have complete and utter control over all of this. I'm not going to yell. This isn't about grounding. This is about if you want to drive a car or if you want to be on that team, these are the grades you need to get. And if you don't, you're just not. Now, here's where it gets hard is would I love to make goals for my kids so that success is guaranteed and failure is not an option? Yep, I sure do. Could I do that and push them into success where failure is not an option? 100% I could do it. Sounds miserable. It is miserable because I'll tell you, I've totally done that before. I've totally been like, you're better than this. You're going to do better than this. I've totally forced them into that like years ago. And it literally bred anxiety in me, Mm -hmm. anxiety in them. They didn't care about school. They cared about impressing me or making it okay with me and Taylor. And it was not about them at all. So what we did at the beginning of this year is we're setting boundaries is our boundaries are really loose. Like you can't be failing. (laughs) and it makes me want to throw up just even saying that because to me like the overachiever in me is like I am literally allowing mediocrity Mm. but that has really huge for you but that has to do with me yeah that doesn't even have to do with my kids Mm -hmm. that has to do with my fear of mediocrity and things that I've had to dive into as an adult and figure out why overachieving is so important to me Mm. right Mm -hmm. well and we've taken that um that conversation in our home has looked like Uh, more intentional verbiage like so completing your work attending school going to class showing up and getting everything done is what is expected of you and for all the right reasons Mm -hmm. what your grades are is like we we just don't put that in place where you must have straight A's or you Mm -hmm. must have all A's and B's or whatever, because even though they all do have those kinds of grades, it has come over the years from a place of just, you do your best, but who are we to dictate whether you're going to get an actual A in this class or not? But if you're showing up and you're doing the work, because those, you don't have excuses, like, come on. Well, and, and partially that's what I mean by boundary, like as a child or you, like you live under a roof, you're under 18, like obviously you're expected to come in at a certain time. You're expected to go to school. Like those are great boundaries, but say your kid fails a test is where I can get in an argument and be like, you didn't even try. And you Mm. went out with that friend last weekend and you shouldn't have because clearly you needed to study more. Or I have clear boundaries where I'm like, well, dang it. That's going to be hard for me. I really was expecting you to get me groceries after school tomorrow. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Because you know what's going to happen then? They're going to start checking their own grades. They're going to start figuring out how to not fail because they don't want the consequence, which leads me to number six. Ooh, this is I hate this one so much. Okay, let's hear it. You have to let them fail. Yeah. 
you have to let them fail. And one of the things I learned at a parenting course that I took was you want to help them fail in safe ways. You want to help them fail the test, not fail the school year, which is why my boundary is you can't be failing, Mm -hmm. right? But they have to fail the test to buy in to not fail the school year. Otherwise, you're just going to be in a dead headlock with your kids until they graduate college and then that's it, or even high school, until they graduate high school and then forget it. Like there's no relationship. You've damaged it. You've damaged all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's so sad. And you probably had 18 years of sheer terror, right? (laughs) Sounds awful. It does sound awful. (laughs) So you have to let them fail. And remember, going back to Taylor Proudfit's word of wisdom, their failures have nothing to do with you and their successes also have nothing to do with you, right? Mm -hmm. They are their own autonomous people, which is what we want. That's what we want. But then we get in the weeds with these little details like, wait, if they fail, it means I suck. Well, no, if they're autonomous, it means they made made bad. That's about them. That's not about you, right? Yeah. So going back to wanting autonomy, consequences, let's remember, they're not bad. Consequences are actually kind of amazing because it's a classroom for learning about what you don't want. And you don't even have to teach it, parents. It's true. Blessed be the name. Mm. A lesson that they get to learn on their own. Yeah. And it's hard. Consequences are oh, hard. so hard. The thought of consequences are hard. Well, yeah. I think too, I think about God, obviously, in this. And I, I think about how I envision he parents me as like a human being on the earth. He's never stopped me from making a bad choice. He's never internalized that he sucks because I'm taking a different path, right? Like he probably is tenderhearted watching us go through our consequences yep. as we will be too as parents. But I look at that example of like how to actually help people to develop as their own autonomous individual selves. And he's kind of my example, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel pain when they have consequences, which we will, because who wants to watch their kid go through pain or their husband or their friend or whoever. But honestly, that is the best way to learn. And here's the thing. If we don't let this happen when they're young, this has to happen. It's going to happen when they're older. And we don't want that. Like, that's not what we want. We want our kids to understand and know themselves because at the end of the day, you don't want to be operating from an underlying assumption that your kids actually can't succeed. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't even say those words, but if you have that thought, that is still translated and they start to not trust themselves. We want them to know, like, you're capable. You're even capable enough to handle this consequence and you're going to be okay. Like, we want that capability. We want that, like, self-assurance. We want that ability for them to create their own success and their own um, kind of definition of what purpose means in their life. And we have to do it. Well, and the consequence of them not trusting themselves is far more detrimental than... It's a lot more pain. Yeah. It's a lot more serious consequences. Oh, for the long term, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, because not trusting yourself is something that can last for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. And, And the great news is, is if you came from a home or feel like you don't trust yourself or you're listening to this thinking, crap, I totally do some of that stuff. Yeah, me too. Like every parent does some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why we learn and that's why we grow. Nothing's ever permanent. There's nothing that's like damaged forever and it can't be brought. Like you can start today. And and my recommendation would be if you have had a situation where like this might have happened 
and you're realizing, crap, this school year, I want to do things differently. I would totally say, sit down with your child and say, listen, I have come to the realization that sometimes I realize I push you to be or do things. And it really is a reflection of how I feel about me. And I'm really working on, on fixing that. Like I'm really working on understanding that more. And I want to understand what you want, what you want for your life. Like be very open and honest about that. it. The quickest it's... way to break down the wall is to say, okay, I think this is why I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not good. And I'm so sorry that like you had to be the like collateral damage of that. But I hope you know that I got, you know, I love you. And then you can start to build something on top of it. But just admitting like, it's honest dialogue. It is. It's and then important. they're going to understand yeah. where they're attaching. You know, totally. it, it's this whole cyclical thing. Mm-hmm. But these conversations are vitally and crucially important yeah. to our kids becoming independent, self-reliant, self-sufficient human beings. And not just vitally important, but going back to what I was saying about something earlier, it's also really exciting. Mm-hmm. So even though you find yourself in those situations sometimes where the conversation may feel a little uncomfortable... You can hit the pillow that night having your own self-confidence be Mm -hmm. up a notch because you're like, wow, that was like, we did that. We had that conversation and I was vulnerable in front of my child, but Mm -hmm. it felt really good to have that open, honest dialogue. And now we're closer and the connection is stronger. So it's exciting. Like get excited about that, you guys. This is such a great thing. It will be such an emotional release. And the reason why I think this episode needed to happen is because I think collectively, we're all looking for that like deep exhale, like the, okay, everything's fine. Mm. And the fact is, is we can do that for ourselves, but it is through that vulnerability, through being authentic for articulating our own feelings and helping setting the example and helping our children to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's how we create not just self-sufficient children, but a relationship with our self-sufficient children. Okay. I want to give you some books. Okay. Right now I'm in the middle of a book called The Self-Driven Child that I'm loving. And it's the science and sense of giving your kids more control over their lives. And this is a really good book. There's also two others I want to recommend. They're by Dr. Leonard Sachs. And it's there's one for boys called Boys Adrift. And there's one called Girls on the Edge that's specific for girls. And those are three of my favorite parenting books um, that have really, really been instrumental in me understanding um, what I needed to do differently as a parent. Um, And they have brought me a lot more peace in parenting. That's awesome. So check those out. Mm -hmm. I'll let you know I'm almost done with the self-driven child. We'll let you know how that one goes. That's great. But take a deep breath. Know that you don't have to be perfect. That even if you were perfect, it wouldn't mean your kids would be perfect. And if your kids are perfect, doesn't mean that you're perfect. Nobody's perfect, okay? (laughs) So stop seeking after perfection, and instead, let's make an intentional decision as parents to just take a deep breath and help our kids discover who they are now. And I want to add that it's not about being a different parent than you already are. It's Mm. more about tapping into and uncovering the skills and the knowledge that really is probably already in there that just needs to kind of be exposed and come out and play. And you taking the step to listen to this episode is an example of your desire to be, to sharpen your skills a little bit or to be a little bit more open in your parenting or in the way that you guide your children, or even if it's not your own child, you know, a lot of you... Mm -hmm. 
are the, as we say, the aunties and the uncles of other That's kids. That's the best. Yeah. My kids' aunties and uncles are the best because they can, they have that lack of emotional tie to mm-hmm. like, they can, they can be better parents sometimes in some examples and in some conversations than I can be Yeah, because I have so much emotion tied to it. Yeah. And so, um, did you get through everything you wanted to share? I did. Oh, it's so good. This is one I really genuinely look forward to listening to a couple of times so that I can listen with the pause Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to listen to a whole episode, which I do most of the time. I listen through a whole episode, whether it's our own listening back or someone else's. And then I ponder after, but this is one that I want to pause in the middle in a few places and go, okay, let's just have a little conversation with ourselves, right <laughs> right now in this moment, <laughs> right, right now with what I'm processing here. It's exciting to me. This is exciting work because the love that we have for our families is, I mean, there's just nothing that compares to that. And so this is evidence that if we have a desire to be a little better in the ways that we parent and love our children and try to guide them, well, that's just evidence of your love. And that's, just something to get really stoked about. And it is because you're going to feel more peace and mm-hmm. be able to have an, have a more meaningful relationship. And, and I think when parents, through their actions, through their words, through all these things we talked about, give their child the safety of knowing that they are trusted, mm-hmm. um, that they can make it through, that they can't, they do possess the skills to do this on their own, and they do, that they, they totally start to do. trust themselves, mm-hmm. even if they have made bad choices or you know, things you wouldn't have done or things you think you're afraid of. Like you, you have to have the trust in your kids. You have, if you don't trust them, how in the world are they going to trust themselves? So true. Powerful stuff, important stuff, exciting stuff. Way exciting. Also, I'm not perfect at this, which is why I love curating content like this, because this is something we're all going through. It's not like you get done or okay, I'm an authority on this because I'm perfect at it. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. What makes you an authority is your ability to be vulnerable, to have those conversations, to break it down and to learn together. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. Thank you, Becky Proudfit. I'm going to listen to this probably every time my kid fails a test. (laughs) It's going to be great. Well, and you know, we always say that sometimes it is about the things that are said, right? Sometimes it's those words you just need to hear in that certain way or from that certain person or in that certain time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just, it comes in the form of a feeling or a thought that is not related to the words that are spoken. And so we want you guys always and forever to be in tune with yourself enough to know like that there's a reason why you're feeling kind of in a specific direction right now after you've listened to this conversation. So we thank you friends as always for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Um, as we've said, nothing that we have said is more important than the specific things that you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. This is a beautiful, rich sound. Hi. (laughs) I think it's because of the wood exterior. (laughs) 
the wood exterior and the blankets and the blankets the minky 